Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of CCF of Iowa. What we want to do with a string of episodes is give you a recap on what we talked about on our fall retreat. So on our fall retreat, our theme was fearless, and specifically fearless when we wanted to talk about evangelism. And so we're going to get three quick sessions, a brief, brief, brief overview of of all the things that we talked about and, and the process uh, that we talked about this past weekend. It was a really great time. We really just decided that we needed to give you this information for you. So uh, this first session is called Your Christianity is Too Small. So when we think about culture today, evangelism is sometimes considered intolerance, and sometimes our practical faith is considered intolerance because some people might see it as pushing our beliefs forcing our beliefs onto that person and and people don't like it when you force things onto them Um, and so just a general introduction for for what we're going to talk about today is the reason and foundation for boldly living faith and good practices for a living body because we want to make sure that evangelism is not something that somebody can consider intolerant we want to be tolerant of other people but we also want to share the message that we have for them we want to be practical their faith with them without forcing them into thinking that we're manipulating them or, or anything like that because God is doing something in this world and he has invited us to be a part of it. And part of our commandment from Matthew 28 is that we are to to share this, this good in this world, this something that God is up to with other people. So let's take a look at what exactly God is doing. And to start off, let's, I think a good place to start is with Jesus. So Let's take a look specifically at the first three chapters of Matthew, which is Jesus before ministry. So you have Jesus in his birth, and you have John the Baptist, and you have uh, the the political structures going on at the time. You, you have Jesus before his his temptation with Satan in the wilderness. And uh, in, in Matthew chapter one through three, we see that God is radically disrupting the world. He is disrupting everything. And I want to take a look at a couple of these disruptions. So there's four of them in Matthew's chapter 1 through 3. And the first one is in the birth narrative, Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. God is disrupting personal lives. If you take a look at the lives that are that are in this story, each one of them is personally disrupted in each way. Of course, you have Mary's life being personally disrupted by being pregnant, even though she's a virgin. Joseph's life is disrupted because his wife is pregnant, and that would be seen in that culture as something that you know people wouldn't have necessarily believed in the immaculate conception that you know they would have thought that Mary would have been having an affair or that they would have been breaking the the covenant with with each other since they were engaged to each other and so Joseph's life is disrupted and, and there's even verses there about Joseph is contemplating divorce and doing it quietly so his life is completely disrupted here you have uh, the wise men whose lives are are kind of disrupted because they all of a sudden just feel this call to get up and go somewhere and to worship something you have the innkeeper who who housed Mary and Joseph during the birth of Jesus and so all these lives are disrupted. Of course, there's more lives that are being disrupted in, in this story, but these are kind of just the main ones. And so Jesus is disrupting lives. 
Jesus is also disrupting social powers. In Matthew 2, specifically in verses 1 through 12, we see uh, that there are religious structures that are being disrupted because the wise men who are Jewish are are called to get up and, and to leave their places of worship to go and worship Jesus. So that is disrupting that religious structure. He's declared as the king of the Jews in this time, which would have been totally disruptive of the Jewish system uh, up until the up until the birth of Jesus. Uh, political structures are being disrupted because uh, Herod assembles the chief priests and scribes in, in Matthew 2 verses 3 through 4. And so Herod is, is trying to to revamp his his political ideology and his political structure around the time. And Jesus comes in and just, just ruins all that to where Herod has to say, uh, we're going to go kill all the babies because we can't have this sort of disruption going on. And of course, cosmic disruption is 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 also present because of the North Star leading the wise men to Jesus in verses 2 and 10 in Matthew chapter 2. Jesus is also disrupting social order because we can see in Matthew verses 2, 11 and Matthew 16, 17 and 18 uh, with stories of, of Herod and, and the wise men that, that Jesus is, is disrupting social order simply by existing. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more in depth into, into social order. And, and, and Jesus is also disrupting local religion. In Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 12, uh, John the Baptist clears the way and, he, and he, he's, um, he's making a way in the synagogue and he's telling all all these people about the coming of, of Jesus, of the King of the Jews. And he's clearing this way for them, which is just disrupting everything that the Jews would have known up until that point. Because they didn't think that this Jesus was the Messiah that they were promised. But disruption from Jesus doesn't just stop with the birth. Jesus continues and continues to disrupt all the way up until his death. So when we, when we take a look at personal lives, individual lives, we see the disciples are, are interrupted in their personal lives by Jesus saying to come and follow me. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon of disruption of people's, of people's lives and their ideology up to this point. Paul's life is disrupted when he's on the road to Damascus. He has a total life change and commits his life instead of killing Christians to, to being the primary uh, church planter in the first century church. My life has been personally disrupted by Jesus even in this 21st century. I'm sure yours has as well if you're listening to this podcast. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe God is going to disrupt it. National and political leaders, Jesus keeps on disrupting this this category because Pontius Pilate's life is disrupted. The political state of Rome is disrupted. Nero is disrupted. Constantine is disrupted. And we see also that distant lands and religions are disrupted because of the Matthew 28, the Great Commission, which I referred to earlier, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is disrupting all of these nations, these distant places and acts, the, the disciples go into Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Ephesus, Colossae, Corinth, Thessalonica, Patmos, Philippi, Laodicea, all of these places are disrupted as evidenced by the New Testament and the uh, the books and the letter or the letters that are written to those churches that we now refer to as books. Uh, local religion is disrupted because of Stephen. Stephen uh, winds up being stoned because of his outspokenness uh, for Jesus. Uh, Paul in the synagogue is is disrupted. The communities are disrupted. Uh, it, we talked a little bit in Food for Thoughts episode earlier this week about uh, the riots in Ephesus and how the Ephesians would would shout, "Great is Artemis to the Ephesians!" And all of a sudden, you have these disciples that are coming in and totally disrupting that community. Community and that society. Now, Corinth is another example about community that's disrupted. We're talking about that all year in in our gathering episodes. If you're not checking out those episodes, I'd really encourage you uh, to take a look at those. Our social order is disrupted. Uh, the woman caught in adultery. Uh, that that is a total contradictory to the current social order at that time. The woman that is seen at the well. Jesus 
disrupts her life. Uh, Jesus disrupts that social order because he was not supposed to associate with that woman. Jesus associates with untouchables and lepers, which of course he's not supposed to do. Jesus values women and children, which society at the time didn't do. And Jesus values slaves, which again society didn't necessarily do at the time. The, the letter of Philemon, from Paul to Philemon, has a slave in it named Onesimus, which Paul pleads on his behalf. says disruption of social social order, the slave that has run away from his duties. Paul says forgive him and, and then let him go. The cosmos and the creation is disrupted. We have the raising of Lazarus. We have the, the raising of Jesus from himself. Jesus is walking on water. There is darkness when Jesus is crucified. There's thunderstorm. The veil is torn. All of these things are disruption of creation and of the cosmos. So what's the problem with all, with all this disruption? Why, if, if God is disrupting people, why is our Christianity too small? Well, the problem is we have brought in what we can call Christmas card Christianity. It's that scene of the nativity set that really doesn't show the disruption. I was reading a book a couple, a couple months ago, and he talks about the Christmas story and about how we, we often just leave out the other important parts about the story, which is that Herod is is trying to kill all the babies in this world. And, and there is bloodshed and chaos and disruption and confusion. And so he said, I've never seen a Christmas play. You know, these little kids act out these Christmas places. I've, I've never seen one where they also have soldiers running around killing all these babies. If, if I just haven't seen it, but your church does it, send me an invite and I'm on my way. But we, we've gotten this idea of this Christmas card Christianity, which just talks about, oh, Jesus is very nice and pleasant and all that. And it's just a bunch of niceties and things like that. But it doesn't actually have the, gra- the grasp of the reality of the gospel. We're also missing out on the bigger story of what God is doing because we've just thought for the longest time that Jesus came and and changes our li- changes lives, but maybe he, he's not still actively changing lives. Maybe he's not still disrupting lives, but God is still continuing to work in us today until Jesus comes back. And we are missing out on that bigger story. It's part of the reason why last year at CCF, we went through the story because the story is not over, but it's important for us to understand the story that has been working because it, it directly applies to our lives today because God is still working today. Our participation in the gospel we have lost the definition of what that actually means. In Matthew 4, Jesus calls us to come and follow him. In 2 Corinthians 5, we see that we are called to be a ministry of reconciliation and we are called to be God's ambassadors. The church today lacks boldness. God's disruption demands action. And we need to recognize that disruption and lead it into an action. Each cause has an effect, and my life being disrupted has an effect that should be used and directed towards God, and your disruption should be used and affected towards other people for the sake of God. I think our Christianity, our gospel, is too small because we have let it become that way. And I want to just read a, a, a mission statement from a church that I used to attend that I just really admire because of it proclaims boldness and it proclaims it pro- proclaims a Christianity that is not small, but that is empowering. They're a fearless church of Christ followers whose ridiculous love and dangerous witness are irresistible. Those are strong words. And that is those are words with purpose. But we have lost that sense of purpose and we have lost that sense of boldness. And we have lost that sense of the true gospel, we've allowed it, uh, ourselves to condense it into something in small. So we were talking about our discussion questions. One of our students brought up that this, this p- semester he's changed his mindset from we need more people in the church to more people need Jesus. And I admire that because that is a picture of a gospel that is big. 
If our gospel is small, we are thinking of we need more people. But if our gospel is big, then we are thinking of more people need Jesus. Then we are thinking of Acts 4.20 where he says we cannot help but proclaim the gospel because what we have seen and heard and experienced. And so we need to change our mindset from a gospel that is too small, thinking we need more people to a gospel, a gospel that cannot be small, a gospel that is big and grand that we can't even comprehend, a gospel that says more people need Jesus. Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope Hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you.